The U.S. Arab Radio Network is proud to offer the Ray Hanania Show with veteran journalist Ray Hanania, the U.S. correspondent for the Arab News newspaper. U.S. Arab Radio broadcast content Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. on WNZK AM 690 in Detroit, WDMV 700 in Washington, D.C., and simulcast through stations around the country. Programs will rerun from 5 till 6 p.m. Visit us on Facebook at U.S. Arab Radio. And we're also streaming live on Facebook.com forward slash Arab News. It's Wednesday, April 21, and I am Ray Hanania speaking to you on live radio from Detroit on WNZK AM 690 radio and from Washington, D.C. on WDMV AM 700 through the U.S. Arab Radio Network sponsored by Arab News Newspaper and broadcast live on Facebook at facebook.com slash Arab News. In segment one this morning, we're going to take a look at the kidnapping of major Yemen Ethiopian model, Intasar al-Hamadi, by the Houthis. We'll be talking to Rua al-Amari, senior reporter at Arab News covering current affairs in the Middle East, with a special focus on Yemen, and she'll give us an update on what's happening with that terrible story. And we have Hawk Newsom, who will be joining us in a few minutes, the president of Black Lives Matter of Greater New York on the failure of the American news media, which is ignoring the plight of African migrants in Yemen who have been brutalized by the Houthis. Last month, the Houthis massacred 44 African migrant prisoners, and the silence is deafening from the U.S. media and the Western media. Also this week, of course, you've heard a jury convicted police officer Derek Chauvin on charges of killing George Floyd last year on May 25 in Minneapolis. So we'll get a couple comments from Hawk on that. Later in segment two, we will speak with assistant Arab News Editor-in-Chief Noor Nugali on the 46th anniversary of Arab News newspaper and the new partnership with the Future Investment Initiative Institute, FII, to shed light on the future of the regional news media industry and with Juan Senor, president of Innovation Media Consulting Group in London, one of the world's leading news media consultancies with the Future Investment Initiative Institute about the survival of the print newspaper industry. Can the newspaper industry survive the COVID-19 pandemic? We're going to take a quick break again. I'm Ray Hanania, and we'll be right back with all these guests and topics right after these messages. ArabNews.com, bringing you breaking news from across the Middle East and the latest on Arabs in America. Get inside the latest headlines with expert analysis and insights at ArabNews.com. Join over 5 million Facebook fans and over 10 million monthly readers. ArabNews.com, news that matters to you. Life is a nonprofit charity that's provided humanitarian aid and development to people and communities for over 25 years, regardless of race, color, religion, or cultural background. When disaster occurs here or around the world, Life for Relief and Development rushes in to provide food, medical aid, and shelter to those in need. Please help improve these efforts. Make your tax-deductible donation to Life now at lifeusa.org or call 248-424-7493. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey 
The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19 and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Get ready for an amazing experience at Ishtar Restaurant on 15 Mile Road in Sterling Heights. Enjoy excellent hospitality from owners Ali al-Baghdadi and Fatty Bonham serving the best in Mediterranean food. Try Chef Ali al-Baghdadi's famous shawarma, the best Iraqi grills and food, and the best Arabic and international dishes. Dine in our authentic atmosphere or take out. Call 586-698-2585 or check us out on Facebook. Ishtar Restaurant practices all CD guidelines and is open every day 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. Have an amazing experience today at Ishtar Restaurant, 3625 15 Mile Road, Sterling Heights. The U.S. Arab Radio Network is proud to offer the Ray Hanania Show with veteran journalist Ray Hanania, the U.S. correspondent for the Arab News newspaper. U.S. Arab Radio broadcast content Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. on WNZK AM 690 in Detroit, WDMV 700 in Washington, D.C., and simulcast through stations around the country. Programs will rerun from 5 till 6 p.m. Visit us on Facebook at U.S. Arab Radio. And we're also streaming live on Facebook.com forward slash Arab News. This week we learned that Houthi militias kidnapped 20-year-old Yemeni and half-Ethiopian model and actress Intisar al-Hamadi at point February 20th, along with two other women off a street in the Houthi-controlled city of Sana'a. It's a very disturbing story that goes beyond the Houthis' political extremism and touches on the racist aspect that Houthis have against African immigrants and Ethiopians and others. We're going to talk about all that during this first segment. But first, we have with us Rua El Amri. Rua, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me on your show, Ray. Oh, absolutely. Rua is the senior reporter at Arab News covering current affairs in the Middle East with a special focus on Yemen. And uh, in a few minutes, we also will have Hawk Newsom the head of Black Lives Matter of Greater New York City, who'll talk to us about why the Western media doesn't seem to care when Africans are the victims of racism in foreign countries like Yemen at the hands of the Houthis. Let's start with Rua. Tell us, Rua, what happened to Intisar al-Hamadi? So Intisar, as you've said, um, is a young Yemeni model, uh, Yemeni and Ethiopian model who lives in Sana'a. And she was uh, abducted by the Houthis um, almost two months ago now. Um, she was meant to be to have her case um, opened um, in front of the prosecution um, two weeks ago, but um, 
for the second week, um, it's not been possible. And her lawyer has called for her immediate release. Um, he said that uh, she is in a terrible condition. Um, he has uh, also uh, said that she's threatening to go on a hunger strike because of the conditions she's in. Why was she kidnapped? I mean, what was the re is there a stated reason from the Houthis why they did this? So um, it's it's believed that she was kidnapped for um, uh, what the Houthis are saying, um, violating Islamic culture and dress code. Um, a lot of people have been criticizing the Houthis for oppressing women and specifically liberal women. Um, I mean, this this has caused huge outcry within Yemen and internationally across the region. Was she the only model in Yemen? I mean, why target her? Have they kidnapped models before? Or are they trying to make some kind of outrageous statement to the world that they just don't care and want to live by the rules of the rest of the world? So, of course, there are um, other female models in Yemen and actresses. Um, a, a lot of them uh, are actually, um, well, some of them are in the South, more the more prominent ones. Um, and the South, as uh, I'm sure you're aware, is under the control of the, the Yemeni, legitimate Yemeni government. Um, the Houthis have actually kidnapped or, you know, abducted people before. Um, the kidnapping of Intasar, um, according to her lawyer, was without an arrest warrant. Um, and this isn't the first time that the Houthis have done this. Um, I mean, another really prominent person that they did um, abduct um, was uh, Hisham al-Omaisi. And um, this was in 2017, and that caused a huge international outcry. It called, you know, it caused UN human rights organizations to try and intervene to, to lead to his release. Um, he now uh, lives in exile. He's not living in Yemen um, post his, his release from the Houthis. Um, and this is, I mean, this is now yet another situation where the Houthis have abducted someone or have detained someone um for really strange reasons so he's he's a male model and was kidnapped a number of years ago but so, no, I, he was so he was he was a prominent figure within yemeni society he was just uh, you know i guess he criticized um he criticized the houthis for the things that they did in in sanaa so he was not a model he was you know he was a public figure um but for the houthis you know anyone that criticizes them it's you know they will definitely detain them. And, they become um, their victims. It's, it's, it's a different situation, but uh, at the end of the day, what it shows is that the Houthis are detaining people um, not for really breaking the law, but, you know, a law that the Houthis have created, like anyone that goes against their own beliefs. Um, it doesn't seem that they're very, like, um, inclusive of, of different people. And Intasar is half Ethiopian. And uh, obviously, uh, we just came out of that one story uh, last month that we're going to talk with Hawk about in a few minutes. But um, it seems like that uh, she was kind of targeted for a specific reason. Did they ever state, uh, did they ever issue uh, an announcement or, you know, explain anything? Or did they just respond once it became obvious that something had happened? I think, so it's difficult to say whether this um, specific incident with Intasar is um, ra racially related. 
Um, the only information what, what, that we're getting is through the lawyer, Intasara's lawyer, um, and you know he's still trying to to get her case opened. Um, in terms of the Houthis targeting um, ethnic minority groups, I mean that has been um, evident in the past. Right. Of course, there was the the fire in the uh, migrant detention center, um, as well as you know the Houthis have had a history of um, targeting uh, the Jewish community in Yemen. Um, the Baha'i community in Yemen. Um, so there has been a lot of um, issues regarding the Houthis and the, their approach towards um, minority groups. Have we, has uh, Intasar's attorney been able to see her? Have we gotten any uh, information about what her situation is? You know, her health, her, uh, you know, uh, her well-being in custody by the Houthis? So according to her lawyer, um, it's not being made clear whether he's actually seen her or not. I don't think he's actually had the opportunity to see her, but um, I believe he has been in communications possibly with her or with um, with someone close to her in, in the detention center. And according to, to her lawyer, he says that she is um, suffering from ill treatment um, and is uh, at a state where she's threatening to, to go on a hunger strike. That, that just sounds terrible. That's horrible. And uh, I know you've been, uh, the Arab News has been covering the story uh, regularly. Do we, is, uh, what's the next step with uh, this, you know, kidnapping? What are we waiting for? Have they made any demands like, you know, of what they want? Have they said anything or, you know, what are so the, we expecting? So the next step would be for her to, I guess, um, you know, for a trial to, to proceed. Um, however, the lawyer has said that he's been told that because of the month of Ramadan, trials have been put on hold. Um, but the next step would be a trial um, and it should it, and see what happens from there, looking at what they are trying to um, uh, prosecute her for um, and, and see what happens. There hasn't really been much information from the Houthis themselves. Yeah, I, I can only imagine how frightening it is. Now, there were two other women, I believe, that were kidnapped with her. Where Are those family members or models? So the, the two others were allegedly um, her friends, and the three of them were, um, as reports say, were on their way to, to shoot for um, a drama series. Um, there hasn't really been much information regarding that specifically, um, but I believe that they are... They're, all the three women were friends um, and possibly working together. All right. And uh, it just, it, it's a terrible story. Um, and uh, I, it just, uh, this uncertainty that exists over there and all the problems that are taking place in uh, Yemen are horrible. We're going to, let's uh, take a quick break, okay, Rua, because we're waiting for Hawk Newsom from Black Lives Matter to join us. So stay on uh, on board. Um, and everybody listening, uh, we have a segment later on where we're also going to be talking with some really exciting stuff about uh, the news industry uh, and celebrate the 46th anniversary of Arab News um, and uh, talk with uh, Noor Nugali and Juan Senor. Uh, Noor is the uh, uh, one of our is our assistant Arab News editor in chief at Arab News and Juan Senor is president of Innovation media consulting group in london we're going to be talking with them later on also at the bottom of the hour but while we're waiting for hawk let's take a quick break and when we come back 
Um, we'll uh, continue our discussion right after these messages. ArabNews.com, bringing you breaking news from across the Middle East and the latest on Arabs in America. Get inside the latest headlines with expert analysis and insights at ArabNews.com. Join over 5 million Facebook fans and over 10 million monthly readers. ArabNews.com, news that matters to you. Enjoy the first Syrian-style cuisine in Michigan. At Damas Cuisine and Catering, you'll find a wide selection of Syrian foods and sweets in our menu, like frike, poise, grape leaves with steak, mashawi platter, hot mahashi, char-grilled kebang, shawarma, and much more. Get super-fast delivery from Damas Cuisine and Catering right to your door. Order online at damascuisine.com forward slash menu and track your order live. Damas Cuisine and Catering. 28841 Orchard Lake Road in Farmington Hills. Call 248-987-4985. Are your hands feeling numb? Do you feel pain opening up a jar, turning a key? Are you noticing that your elbow and your shoulder are becoming stiff? Or were you recently injured in your arm? Hello, I'm Dr. Albajit Katranji. And at the Katranji Hand Center, which just recently opened down the street from the Somerset Mall, we can provide you with the latest in hand, wrist, elbow, and shoulder care. Visit us at www.katranjihandcenter.com to learn the latest techniques that we have to offer you, and I look forward to taking care of you. Visit us in Troy at 1565 West Big Beaver Road, Building F, or call Katranji Hand Center for an appointment at 248-869-4263. That's 248-869-4263. At Top Rehab Physical Therapy Clinic in Dearborn, we provide effective physical therapy sessions in order to limit pain and discomfort. Top Rehab provides physical therapy care for any diagnosis prescribed by a physician, and we regularly see and treat conditions such as stroke, TMJ, fibromyalgia, sciatica, joint pain, and more. We use a variety of pain management methods, including modalities, soft tissue mobilization, and therapeutic exercise. If you're in need of physical rehabilitation or physical therapy, get the highest quality health care at Top Rehab. Most insurance is accepted and we're open Monday, Wednesday, and Friday 8 to 6, Tuesday and Thursday 8 to 5, and Saturday 10 till 2. Call for an appointment today at 313-846-0555. That's 313-846-0555. Choose Top Rehab Physical Therapy Clinic on Michigan Avenue in Dearborn. Life's too short to be in pain. The U.S. Arab Radio Network is proud to offer the Ray Hanania Show with veteran journalist Ray Hanania, the U.S. correspondent for the Arab News newspaper. U.S. Arab Radio broadcast content Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. on WNZK AM 690 in Detroit, WDMV 700 in Washington, D.C., and simulcast through stations around the country. Programs will rerun from 5 till 6 p.m. Visit us on Facebook at U.S. Arab Radio. And we're also streaming live on Facebook.com forward slash Arab News. And welcome back. This is Ray Hanania, the continued racist. This is what we're doing all day. 
against African immigrants by the Houthis who have been engaged in some terrible crimes continues. Several weeks ago, 44 African immigrants were massacred in what survivors claim was a race-driven attack against them because they're black. And we just don't hear about those stories in the Western news media at all. Americans seem oblivious to it at all. We're kind of focused just on a narrow way here in the U.S. We've invited Hawk Newsom, the head of Black Lives Matter of Greater New York City. So let's get uh, Hawk on there. I think, uh, go ahead, Hawk, if you can hear me. Hey, good morning. Uh, there you go, buddy. How Thank are you, sir? Thank you so much for joining us. Like I said, Hawk is the head of Black Lives Matter of Greater New York City. And uh, he's going to talk with us about this growing and dangerous trend that we're seeing uh, nobody seems to care about Ethiopians, uh, Africans, uh, blacks and other countries like Yemen, where they've really been. Uh, we just talked with a reporter about a uh, Yemeni Ethiopian model who was kidnapped. And it seems like, at least from my perspective, she was targeted because she was Ethiopian. What, what's going on with the media? That, did you even have you even heard that story in the U.S. about this woman being kidnapped in Yemen? I absolutely did not hear about this woman uh, being kidnapped in Yemen. And um, I, I don't know what the outcome is, but my thoughts and, and prayers and, and with her, and I pray that, you know, she's located. Uh, there's a huge problem in America and in the rest of the world. And that problem is called white supremacy. That, that and a lot of people are like, oh, you're just calling out racism. But no, the fact is, when things happen to black people, they don't matter as much as when they happen to white people. When there's mass murders or genocides happening to black people across the world, uh, no one cares. But if the same thing were to happen to little blonde haired, blue eyed white children, then everybody would care. So when you start talking about my Ethiopian brothers and sisters and, and, and them being murdered, people uh, barely lift a brow. And that's black people, that's white people, that's everyone in between, because that's what's been indoctrinated into them. You're taught through the media, you're taught through television, you're taught in so many different ways that our black lives truly do not matter. And that's on a global scale. And, you know, when you talk to people, they only can talk about what they know. And I know it's everybody's responsibility to know these things. But if the mainstream news media doesn't put a light on it, Who's going to know? Who's going to know that Ethiopians are, you know, being targeted in Yemen? Who's going to know that an, uh, uh, a Yemeni who happens to be half Ethiopian has been kidnapped, you know, in February and is, you know, under all kinds of threats from the Houthis? Um, unless, the, unless the mainstream American news media is willing to kind of focus on that, we're just not going to hear that. Isn't that where the part of the problem is? Yeah, no, you um you, you hear about racism uh against black people in Israel, right? You hear about racism against black people in China. You hear about, you know, rape to be perfectly honest, if it's not for us and people like us who are activists, a lot of these police brutality cases you won't hear about. Right. George Floyd happened. You know, we had a verdict yesterday. You would yeah. not have heard about it. Um, I wouldn't have heard about the Houthi if I wasn't around so many Yemeni people. Right. If, if you and I, Ray, didn't have these conversations, it's something that the Western media seeks to keep a lid on. 
Um, they try to keep us hyper-focused and distracted on what's happening here because what they fear is a unified Black front. And that's something that looks like pan-Africanism, where it's like, okay, you're my Black brother and sister if you're on the continent of Africa, if you're here in America, or if you're an Aboriginal person in Australia. Um, our, our stories... See, here's the thing. The world has normalized poor treatment of Black people. So if you have 44 Black people killed in, in a confined environment, it's, it's, it's almost as if it doesn't matter to the world. And it's our job to produce and promote stories that, that tell about what's happening to our Black folk. And we can do this through social media. And I, I'd imagine that's our best tool. And we can also uh, advocate and, uh, you know, who knows? It might take a trip down to the U.N. for a protest. Who knows what it'll take, but we just have to stay vigilant. Now, you have a big uh, 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 Yemeni community in uh, um, New York there that you work with, that you have some associations with. Uh, ha have you heard from them about their concerns about what's happening? Yeah. Um, the Yemeni community in New York tried to explain to me that I don't, uh, that the Houthi are not as bad as people make them out to be. They're actually anti-government corruption, right? Two sides, right? Two sides. There's, so there's, there's definitely two sides to every story. And there's two sides and then there's the truth, right? But it's not my job to get involved with the politics of it. Right. But what I do care about is innocent black people being killed. That's right. where you cross the line with me. Yeah, I can't imagine anybody saying that's a good thing that they, you know, killed 44, you know, uh, Ethiopians in Yemen, regardless Absolutely. of what their politics is. Right. Or exactly. they kidnapped a, a Ethiopian model, you know, whose career was just uh, really, uh, you know, uh, growing significantly. What's her name? Uh, Intasar El Hamadi, Intasar okay. El Hamadi. So, I don't know if uh, you're going to take that to the UN. That would be a great thing if you're going to do that. You're in the Absolutely. you're in the per, you're in the perfect place to do that. You know, Hawk. You're in New York City. I don't care what they say about the rest of the cities in America. <clears throat> New York is one beautiful city. I've been there, and you are in the hub. Uh, I think is more important sometimes than Washington D.C. Absolutely. It's the media capital of the world. And what's really interesting is um, we were at the United Nations for the Tigray region of uh, Ethiopia and the war crimes that were being committed against the people. And once again, I had to separate the politics from the black victims. People are telling me, you don't know about the TPLF. You don't know what they're doing. Right. Uh, 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 you know, our president is a good man. He received the Nobel Peace Prize. But then, you know, you're hearing that the president is heartless and he's keeping media out. You're hearing that the TPLF is, is, is responsible for this or that. It's, I can't. I don't have time to get ingrained in the personal politics. But what I did know was that women were being raped and people were being starved in um in 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 ethiopia so when i hear about what the houthis did to uh these 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 african uh, refugees or asylum seekers it really truly breaks my heart and i'm glad that you all are doing a great job of shining a light on this yeah and and uh 
Um, obviously, standing up for Ethiopians, uh, regardless of the politics um, in Yemen as victims of Houthi aggression, that goes beyond politics, you know, when you target somebody. And e- even in this country that some people want to make the, the uh, George Floyd, you know, murder into a political thing. But it's bigger than that, isn't it? It's like uh, the way the Houthis are targeting uh, you know, Ethiopians in the same way, I guess, is the feeling that, you know, blacks are being targeted here in the United States. That's interesting. That is um, that is truly an interesting statement. Um, I know that blacks here in the United States are being stalked and killed. And the difference might be that when we are stalked and killed, the government justifies these actions. When you have uh, civilians like George Zimmerman, who killed young Tray- Trayvon Martin, um, you know, he, he didn't face jail time. So it's, 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 it's extremely hard because when we are murdered, the government says that it's okay for us to be murdered. So it's, 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 it's a terrible tragedy. There's absolutely nobody here to fight for black people. Other than black people, it seems that that this is the case, not just here, but in Yemen, on the continent of Africa. It's almost as if we're left to fend for ourselves and figure this thing out for ourselves. Let's bring Ruel Amari, who is uh, one of our reporters at Arab News, uh, back on, uh, who's been covering the uh, Intasar al-Hamadi case. Ruel Hawk Newsom uh, from Black Lives Matter, Ruel Al-Amari. Uh, joining us from Arab News again. Uh, Rua, you had a point you wanted to bring up about this case. Yeah, I just wanted to say so. Um, I think it's really important to point out that, you know, the the, the reason that the Houthis are saying um, Intasar was detained was, according to them, was that she was not adhering to Islamic rules. Right. Um, on a separate note, um, when looking at the incident that happened in the uh, detention center regarding the African migrants, I think it's also really important to say that um, Yemen, um, throughout history, has um, always welcomed um, uh, uh, Eastern Africans into the country. And Yemen, actually, in the region, is one of the very few countries that actually um, grants asylum to, to migrants. Um, it's one of the very, very few countries in the region that does that. Um, so throughout history, um, Africans and Yemeni people have lived, uh, coexisted together in a very peaceful way. However, unfortunately, um, the, the, when the Houthis have taken you know, control of Sana'a, the capital, um, human rights have kind of uh, you know, been put, put on, on, on hold. Taking and they're a back seat, right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's not just, you know, um, it's more it's more of a question of um, them targeting vulnerable people, I would say, because you've got, like I said, the Jewish community, um, the Baha'i community, um, and what happened um, uh, last month, which was the, the incident in the detention center. And Ru, um, I, I understand that uh, you're Yemeni too. So, I mean, this is kind of a personal thing in a way, a little bit. Absolutely, yeah. I'm, I'm Yemeni and Ethiopian, actually. So I'm actually of mixed heritage, um, which just goes to show that how um, the Yemeni community is actually really closely integrated with the, the Eastern African community. Um, we've shared a history and a culture that, that dates back centuries. Um, so, 
these this this situation that happened last last month was really horrific. And what's really tragic is that the Houthis, um, you know, were silent for more than a week regarding the detention center fire. Um, and it just and even the United Nations called for um, an, in, um, an independent investigation. And the Houthis have not really been transparent about what's happening and what steps they're taking. Um, so the, the, the international organizations should definitely um, be involved. All right, Rua, listen, thank you so much. Can Hawk, maybe a fi any final thoughts from you? Uh, and again, we pr I appreciate both of you. Uh, Ruel Amory and Hawk Newsom, I know you guys are both very busy with things, uh, standing up for what's right and reporting stuff. And Hawk, I especially appreciate you, given all the things that are happening here in the U.S. and the case involving uh, Derek Chauvin and regarding the killing and murder of, uh, of uh, George Floyd. But any final thoughts, Hawk, from your end in terms of what can we do to change this? Uh this narrow focus on just what, here. What we need to do is explain that Black Lives Matter across the globe, right? They don't just matter here because we have phenomenal uh, activists and we also have the first, first Amendment which protects our speech and gives us the right to fight back and push back against this government um, at the risk of our deaths. But uh, what folks really need to understand is a new day has arrived. Black people refuse to be the world's punching bag in their second-class citizens. And we will unify and we will unite and we will shed light on injustice against black people wherever it occurs in the world. And to, uh, you know, my Ethiopian brothers and sisters, my heart bleeds for you. I'm, I'm, I'm terribly sorry for what you're experiencing, but I'll do my absolute best to shed light on this subject and draw attention to this. And I thank you, and I thank you, you, you as well, Roy, for um, all the work you're doing to, 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 to shed light on these atrocities. For more information on uh, the stories, you can go to ArabNews.com. And Hawk, what's your website uh, if people wanted to get more information and connect and support you? If you really want to reach me, if you really, really want to reach yes. me, you'll find me on Instagram. Right. And that's uh, Hawk, H-A-W-K dot Newsom, N-E-W-S-O-M as in Mary E. That's uh, Instagram. And our website is Black Lives Matter, spelled out, greater, N-Y dot com. And you can find us. You can find us there. All right, Hawk. Listen, thank you again so much for joining us this morning. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Um, you always bring some insight into some very difficult topics. And Ruel Amri, it's a pleasure meeting you, and uh, thank you so much for joining us. All right, thanks, guys. Thank All right, you. and it's uh, Wednesday, and we're uh, here at the Ray Hanania Show. We're going to take a quick break, and uh, when we come back, we have a second segment um, to talk about and uh, that with uh, some really cool guests. Um, so let's take that break, and we'll be right back right after these messages. ArabNews.com, bringing you breaking news from across the Middle East and the latest on Arabs in America. Get inside the latest headlines with expert analysis and insights at ArabNews.com. Join over 5 million Facebook fans and over 10 million monthly readers. ArabNews.com, news that matters to you. Ziad Brand. 
Quality products from our family to yours. Ziad Brothers Importing offers the finest quality products, including brands like Sultan, Kraft, Nestle, Hook, Rico Picon, Donna, and many more. Ask your retailer to carry these fine products because you deserve the very best. For more information, visit our website at www.ziad.com. That's www.ziad.com. Ziad, quality products from our family to yours. Wearing a mask is more than protection. It's a bridge to better days, the path back to celebrations with family. Nights out on the town with friends. Game days with your favorite sports teams. And the thrill of live concerts. But until we can all get the COVID-19 vaccine and build community immunity, which will take time, we all need to continue to stay careful because Michigan's recovery is depending on you and so are your family, friends, and neighbors. So even after you're vaccinated, wear a mask, avoid large gatherings, and social distance. One day in the near future, we will all be able to put this pandemic behind us. But until then, spread hope, not COVID. Learn more at michigan.gov coronavirus. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Are you going to start a restaurant or a grocery store soon? Do you need floor plans and designs? Call Naji Abood at 734-744-9796. Do you want to buy kitchen and restaurant equipment at discount prices? Call Naji Abood now, 734-744-9796. New concept products and design, the trademark of kitchen equipment. 5% discount on all purchases of $75,000 or more. New concept products and design. New location, 31185 Schoolcraft in Livonia. Learn more at www.newconceptproducts.com. Call Najee Abood, 734-744-9796. The U.S. Arab Radio Network is proud to offer the Ray Hanania Show with veteran journalist Ray Hanania, the U.S. correspondent for the Arab News newspaper. U.S. Arab Radio broadcast content Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. on WNZK AM 690 in Detroit, WDMV 700 in Washington, D.C., and simulcast through stations around the country. Programs will rerun from 5 till 6 p.m. Visit us on Facebook at U.S. Arab Radio. And we're also streaming live on Facebook.com forward slash Arab News. And uh, I would be remiss if I didn't wish everybody a Ramadan Kareem, Ramadan Mubarak for uh, this is a, a holy month of Ramadan for everybody in the Islamic world. And it's an important holiday that's gotten uh, a lot of more recognition here in the United States, too and in the West, and I, we did a nice uh, segment on that last week. Um, right now, I want to also congratulate Arab News, which is celebrating its 46th year anniversary this week. And we have two guests joining us this morning in segment two to talk about this and more. Noor Nugali, an Arab News Assistant Editor-in-Chief, and Juan Senor, President of Innovation Media Consulting Group in London, uh, with the Future Investment Initiative Institute. 
Um, it's one of the leading news media consultancies. Hi, Noor. Um, listen, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Hi, Ray. Thank you so much for having me. And Juan, also you too. It's just a pleasure to have you join us this morning on uh, radio. Cheers from London, but it's our afternoon. Oh, it is, it's true. It's uh, Time zones are really troubling. Yes. It's early in the morning here where I'm broadcasting uh, from Chicago through WNZK AM 690 in Detroit and WDMV AM 700 uh, in Washington, D.C. on the U.S. Arab Radio Network. Noor, tell us a little bit about the uh, um, what is the Future Investment Initiative Institute and what's the significance of the FII study? Uh, so first, let's talk a little bit about uh, FII. So for the past four years, FII has been on, has become a global hub for thinkers and for policymakers to come in uh, the midst of Saudi Arabia, Riyadh, and discuss really important, have really important discussions. Let's say Davos in the desert. I'm pretty sure you've heard this term before, and it's rightly applied, uh, but perhaps on a different scale. So basically, um, the FII, the Future Investment Initiative, is a non-for-profit global foundation, and its partnering with Arab News on its 46th birthday is a big deal, and I'll tell you why. But before I do that, and I hear there's so many birthdays this week, and one being your 18th birthday, Ray. So happy birthday! 18th. I wish it were. I wish it were my 18th. But that's nice. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Of course. So. Going back to Arab News and FII, uh, as you know, Arab News is the Middle East's leading English language daily. It initiated 46 years ago in a garage by two young brothers called the Hafiz Brothers. Now it's become an international newspaper born from Saudi with three online, three online different kind of editions in different languages. In 2018, we had the Pakistani edition, which was launched. In 2019, we launched the Japanese edition, and remarkably, in midst of the pandemic in 2019, we launched the French edition. And that just says a lot about where we're going with the leaders such as, I know he hates me complimenting him, but I do have to give him his, uh, his due course. Our editor-in-chief is a visionary and he has done remarkably during all times. And um, not only that, but we have a refined team of journalists. Can I just jump in and say thank you, Juan, for raising the bar on our revamping uh, launch of the Arab News newspaper because I don't think we can compete with anyone in the region just given with what you did with that newspaper and turned it into a whole different kind of uh, younger, beautiful, more beautiful and attractive uh, newspaper. Going back to the FII. So celebrating our 46th anniversary, we are doing um, a partnership with this leading kind of global nonprofit foundation. So it will be a year-long cooperation and it's marking the newspaper's 46th anniversary. What you're going to see is a co-production of a series of expert panel discussions. You're going to see surveys, white papers, and recommendations on how the industry can survive the digital disruption and create sustainable models for the future. So that's something very interesting to look forward to. I yeah, and maybe maybe uh, Juan, you could tell us. I I think somebody had mentioned that you you had predicted the, you know the demise of 
print media and I, I think if I'm correct um, the newspaper as a major source I mean what's the future for the newspaper especially in you know the newspaper as a industry especially in terms of uh, the pandemic that we've we've gone through and all the other factors that are playing on where are we the future's bright ray and uh thank you Noel. thank you for uh for for that gratitude but all we did in your case was to show you the way and you walked the difficult road to this transition so look um the future is very bright for the news industry um a pandemic without journalism unthinkable and that's a global reality. And this is a turning moment. This is, this is a landmark moment where people have realized that indeed uh, they, they've rediscovered the value of journalism. When your life is at stake, when the health of your loved ones is at stake, uh, who are you going to turn to? A politician saying this is the flu? Somebody on Facebook uh, saying that if you inject bleach, you will be cured? or walk in, you know, take a steam shower. So journalism has reconnected with a global audience. And the turning point is that people are now willing to pay for that journalism. Is, is so, the newspaper, do you think, uh, adapting to this new environment of uh, social media and technology as an industry? Is the newspaper really, I, I see it at Arab News. I mean, we are, uh, we have really adapted phenomenally at Arab News, but is the newspaper industry doing the same or are we kind of an exception? No, you're not an exception. Uh, a number of, uh, of newspapers that we've advised all over the world have really, really embraced a digital first approach. The difference in the last year is that, uh, is what we describe social media independence day. So the investments we've made in social media are not paying off. And what's happened during the pandemic is that before the pandemic, people said, oh, I get my news on Facebook. And that was good enough. And now people are saying, well, I now develop half a re re retaken and, and rediscover the value of visiting a local or a regional news site every day to find out what is true, what is really going on. Again, because my life is at stake. So in terms of digital transformation, this is one of the big changes. We, we call it the Netflix moment for news. Everybody globally listening to this has, or if not, they have it from a friend, or if not, it's Prime Video or Apple or Disney. Everybody listening today has a subscription to Spotify. And globally, we've seen a huge bump in subscriptions for journalism. So the migration from an ad-dependent digital business model to a reader-revenue-driven digital model is what's going to sustain journalism, because now you have uh, revenue coming in from readers, which is what was missing in the past. In the past, we depended in, entirely on, on, on ad revenue and that model is gone so this false dichotomy between ads versus subs that's gone and this is going to sustain uh, newspapers that are are for profit uh, in good stead uh, we like to say that look only journalism will save journalism and this is a key thing to understand this is a very important moment uh, and journalism in a pandemic it, it's an essential service 
the same way the internet has been an essential service, the same way the water is an essential service, the same way that medicines and food have been essential services. We pay for the internet, we pay for food, for medicines, obviously some for would water. Say I, some would uh, say I pay so too much. So we pay for journalism. Some might say that I pay too much. Noor, you're an assistant editor at the Arab News. And, you know, I, I always want to showcase the fact that uh, women play such a major role in Saudi Arabia ventures, contrary to all the perceptions. So, um, and I, and I, I don't want to just minimize the significance by putting a spotlight on it, but it, it is so significant that we see so many advances like that in so many fields, including in journalism. Tell us about what you think will be happening uh, working with uh, FII, you know, over the next year during this 46th anniversary celebration. So, so many things to touch on. FII uh, is an amazing institution and we look forward to working with them just to shed light on many things that are happening in the region and perhaps in a more neutral kind of way. Um, I want to go back to what you said also, Ray, regarding women. Um, yes, with Vision 2030, we have so many Saudi women coming up and it's exciting and it's invigorating, but we've always had Saudi female role models in the past. It's nothing new, but they're just, the light has been shed on the new generation and that's why we're seeing more of them. So hopefully we'll write a paper perhaps on that, partnering with FII and you can take a look at it. So let me just touch base on something real quick. And the partnership between our two entities is going to have a larger impact um, on technology, on the economic media field, models of media business discussed. And I think also it's really going to touch on topics um, perhaps that are a bit negative impacts. And we can't shy away from things that make us uncomfortable. We have to have a discussion on them and perhaps find a way to resolve them. I mean, we're not the UN, we're not a diplomatic entity, but sometimes, uh, many times actually, media does play a huge role in how the world can be influenced and hopefully in a good positive way. And maybe we'll see that with the partnership. And Juan, you had mentioned something about uh, paid service, you know, uh, um, how it's changed, how is it evolving in the Middle East and Saudi Arabia? I mean, um, are people paying for journalism or are we still depending on, you know, the uh, graphic ads that appear on web pages uh, when you visit a website or social media? Uh, they're still ad dependent, the vast majority of them. And, and but this changing? migration to reader revenue has, has begun. And, uh, but of course you, you need to have something worth paying for. <laughs> Arab news has journalism worth paying for. And a few other newspapers have journalism worth paying for. If you're too much of an officialist paper, you are going to have it have difficulties getting people to pay for that journalism. So, so it's about having journalism that uh, indeed uh, provokes a conversation, as Noel says, highlights uh, these discussions in a positive way. And uh, you know, uh, light comes from sparks. So you need to have a, a little bit of a spark at times 
uh, in, in a society to indeed advance it and, and to bring forth these uh, topics that are out there in society and that perhaps don't have a forum to be discussed. So that is the role of, of, of news, newspapers in the region. And many of those who are doing quality journalism, the journalism that Noor and Faisal, the editor-in-chief of Arab News, produce every day, that's journalism worth paying for. It's must-read journalism if you are in the region, if you want to understand the region. So, so those have a, a way forward. Uh, but you need to begin to charge for the content some way and somehow. Uh, in many cases, the solution is a freemium model where you begin with some content for free and then you charge for some content. But unless and until you embrace a reader revenue dependent model, it should be almost 40% of your revenue, then there's no future. There's no future. There's only a future for Facebook, for Google, uh, because you're in the clickbait business then. You're in the traffic business. And when you're in the traffic business, when you're in the volume business, um, it's very difficult to pay the costs of the newsrooms. And as we know, in the region, a lot of these newspapers are subsidized, and that's unsustainable. From an economic point of view, which government wants to keep bailing out its, uh, its wonderful, you know, revered newspapers? Uh, so for Arab news to celebrate another 46 years, it has to sustain itself on its own, on its own merit. And it can. It's one of the brands that will do make this transition successfully. Uh, but it has to be the same across the region. Uh, only like, a reader-dependent model is a sustainable one. Yeah, it seems like Arab News uh, Noor is doing just that. It's, you know, here we have uh, the, this uh, radio show, which expands uh, news coverage and the uh, distribution of news information. We have, uh, frankly speaking, with Frank Kane, uh, who does his show. Uh, we have our social. We're broadcasting live on Facebook at, as we talk. Um, and of course, you may see. I may look distracted because I'm doing. I'm. I literally have three computers in front of me. One for the technology. One for the radio show. One for the information that I want to talk about. Years ago, I would just sit there with a pen and a notepad and look you in the face ask you some questions and type it up and that was it now it's like this massive production i mean all these things that we're doing at the arab new it's on the cutting edge yes i agree completely with you ray and it's it's mind-boggling honestly when you think about it that we used to find reader news on a newspaper you guys 20 years ago the only way for us to know anything about the world was we have to wait the next day and open a paper and see exactly what happened and now on the same minutes you open the arab news website you go to its twitter you can do various social media platforms and see everything whether it's video or photos or even read a quick article on it it's mind-boggling how advanced we are going and becoming and it's fast and we have to keep up and our children have grown and have been raised in the society, I think, and they're pretty quick on their feet and they know the news before us. I'm sad to say if we're not working in a news industry, my 17 year old would be like, mom, have you heard this and this happened? And everybody's like, wait, what? No, you shouldn't be telling me this. I should be telling you this, but look how quick they are. So this just shows how the world is moving fast paced and how we have to keep up. And this is exactly what Faisal has done, truly. 
he's always been on his feet because he has been keeping us on our toes, but in a good way because we need to be fast. People demand it. Our readership needs it and wants it, and they want to be on the move. I mean, you're in America, I'm in Saudi, and Juan is in London, and we're having a conversation, and millions can watch this. Well, I listen. I'm looking forward. I'm looking. I'm looking forward to visiting Riyadh, Dubai, uh, and also London, Juan, at some point uh, to meet you and others. Uh, the phenomenal things that you're doing. Just we're kind of at. Unfortunately, we only have a, a limited show, and we're kind of at the end. But if you have any final thoughts, uh, I'll start with Noor. If you have any final thoughts you want to share, and then Juan, any final thoughts that you want to share before we sign off. Um, go ahead, that would uh, be great, Noor. So the first deliverable of this cooperation is going to be in May, and it's going to be a white paper produced by the Arab News Research and Studies Unit, which is based in London. Uh, the paper uh, is going to be under the title of The Myth of the Digital Transformation, and it's going to explain in detail uh, the technical problems that face the media industry from a commercial perspective and what impacts uh, do they have on various levels? So let's wait for May for the paper, inshallah. I hope you enjoy reading it. Oh, we do. And uh, Juan, any final thoughts on uh, uh, the industry, newspapers, and moving forward the way you are? Yeah, I mean, obviously, congratulations to Arab News in its 46th anniversary. And there's also today an anniversary. It's 30 years since the internet, more or less, depends on when you agree the internet started. And after 30 years, now there's a clear way forward on digital for the internet. And there's a lot of money to be made in digital. But again, um, newspapers in the region throughout the world are embracing digital subscriptions. They have to embrace it. We've been selling the wrong thing. We've been selling ads. We've been selling volume. It's time to sell our journalism. And it took a pandemic for the world to rediscover the value of that journalism. So only journalism will save journalism and that's the big change and as we say from london um think positive but stay very negative <laughs> i i thought the word from london was brilliant that's the one brilliant as well brilliant uh, think positive favorite. and stay negative it's, ray and put that on the flag and the anthem over there but listen i want to thank all of our guests uh, who joined us this morning Ruel Amari of Arab News, Hawk Newsom of Black Lives Matter of Greater New York City, Noor Nugali of Arab News, the Assistant Editor-in-Chief, and Juan Senor, President of Innovation Media Consulting. And of course, I want to thank our producers and studio team who helped put all this and make me look as good as I can be, Jad Batar and Max Semmel, my, our producers, Mike Chubka in Detroit, and Hernan Molina in Washington, D.C. at the two studios there. Don't forget to join us next week on Wednesday morning on the Ray Hanania Show right here on WNZK AM 690 Radio in Detroit and WDMV AM 700 Radio in Washington, D.C. on the U.S. Arab Radio Network sponsored by Arab News and live streamed on Facebook.com slash Arab News where thousands of people are watching us as we speak at this very moment. As we move forward and interview newsmakers and analysts on the top news of the week. Next week, we have uh, our guest, our scheduled guest is Tony Breidinger, the Lebanese American NASCAR race car driver, who will be joining us to talk about her career in this unusual and high end race car competition. 
Uh, here in the U.S., it is Arab American Heritage Month in April. So listen, everybody, again, Noor, Juan, thank you guys for joining us this morning. And thank everybody out there who's watching on Facebook, listening on the radio. I appreciate it. See you guys next Wednesday. Have a great week. Bye-bye, everybody.